I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. Welcome. Today, I'm joined by Deanne Awesome, who is the managing director of the leadership development and well-being leader at PwC. Deanne, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Romy. It's great to be here. Deanne, I'd love to hear about your career, the path that you followed. You started your career in accounting. I started my career in accounting. Actually, my degree, I have an accounting and management degree from a liberal arts college. So that's fact number one. I'm very financially minded, very, I'm a lover of data. That's what really led me to that path early on. And I've traversed a different path since. So tell us about those paths. Where did you go after your career in accounting? After getting my degree in accounting and management, I started my official professional career in audit. And I did that for a number of years. After that, I transitioned into more of a consulting and advisory type role. I did that for the better part of a decade and learned a lot, got to work with a lot of great organizations, people, industries. And from there, I made a switch into a tour of duty through our national diversity and inclusion offices at my organization. So that was really a way for me to bring to life my passion and commitment to DNI and hopefully make a little bit of a difference however I could there. From there, I moved towards leadership development and executive coaching and well-being specifically, which is where I'm at today. Amazing. And you're also a certified leadership coach. Can you tell us what that means and what made you pursue that credential? So I actually went through a global leadership development experience myself back in 2005. And during that five-month, very intense, immersive experience, I had the privilege of working with an executive coach. And it was really at that moment, I realized, gosh, this is something I'm getting so much benefit from. And I love the thought of being in service to others in the same way that my coach was in service to me. And so after I finished that experience and did a lot of research around different coaching programs, I ultimately made the decision to go and pursue that credential for myself. And it really just informed a different perspective around the whole person and how to be in service to the whole person versus just focusing on the career domain or the life domain or something else. So it was a holistic way to bring together how I could really be in better service to helping others achieve their goals. What I love about your career and your current position is you're many things at once. You know, looking at your LinkedIn profile, first of all, you have your day job at PwC, but you also Mm -hmm. say you're a proud wife and mom, a positive deviant, a trailblazer, inclusive leader, and wellness warrior. Can you tell us what a positive deviant is? (laughs) I love that terminology because it is someone who's not afraid to push and poke and prod for the right reasons. It's all with the intention around positive, forward-looking change and momentum. So that's really, if I couple that with being a trailblazer and trying new things, not only for myself, but also as an advocate for opening up new and and different pathways for others. 
that's why I chose those things. They're always good to spark a little conversation, but I do try to live those descriptors out in a daily way. Love it. How has that played out in your life? What were the big turning points or the moments where you kind of chose to take the road less traveled? Several examples. And the first one really was making that switch from audit to consulting. It was something I had no experience in the field I was interested in. So at the time, there was a role that was open. It was two levels above the role I was currently serving. And it was in an industry that literally I had no experience in. And for some reason, I said, gosh, I I think I want to do that. Here I am, not really qualified, but persistence has always been one of my strong points. And So I did a lot of research. I started investing in my own learning to make sure this was a a career change that I wanted to make both to consulting and to this specific industry focus area. I tapped my network. I tapped my network's network. Really, that that was the first turning point professionally was me building some confidence around, I can rely on myself and my own commitment to my infinite learning and willingness to step out there and try something new, that really paid off. And then I spent about a decade, as I said, in consulting. From consulting, I would say diversity and inclusion. I was always a member of our women's networking circles, or I was always helping out with our national LGBTQ plus recruiting efforts or anything that I could do in addition to my day job at the time that supported diversity and inclusion and really just expanding our workforce in positive ways, it was when another role was posted and I thought, I want to do this role, but not necessarily the job the way it's written. So that was another turning point where I took that role posting to one of my mentors and sponsors that I had worked a lot with and told her, hey, I think I want to do this. She giggled at me like she often did and said, okay, so you don't want to do this job, but you want this role. Help me understand what it is that you want to do. So she was very, very good at entertaining my ideas, listening. That really meant a lot. So those were a couple I could mention more, but I think the important decisions that went along with some of those turning points or a belief in myself and a willingness to push myself out of my comfort zone and ask for help. I asked for help from others. And I'm glad you acknowledged that because I was going to say, you know, we talk a lot about imposter syndrome Mm. and it seems like you have not suffered from it. You early on, you were able to sort of identify what you wanted to do. And even if you knew you didn't know you were comfortable reaching for it, you're applying for jobs that you want to completely (laughs) remodel into a different job for you. What do you attribute that confidence? How do you think you were able to find that confidence in yourself? I think confidence is one of those things that it can only grow from within. I can't give you confidence. You can't give me confidence. You can give me examples and inspiration that helps me build my own confidence. But I think it grows from this place of self-acceptance, self-awareness, and really a willingness to listen and want to learn more things and to try it. You know, my father was famous. He would always say, what's the worst that could happen? Someone Mm -hmm. says no. Okay. Well, then you have that and you either persist in a different way or you move on to the next. So I, I think really looking at what is the risk associated with applying for a role that I might not have a lot of 
past experience in? Or what is the risk in asking someone for help? I mean, yeah, they could say no, but what if they say yes? What if I give them the opportunity to step in and say yes, to help me? And then, of course, hopefully the goal is that you pay that forward. So I've been in situations where my confidence has been shaken for sure. And I do try to look at every experience as an opportunity to learn. So even if it wasn't my hoped for outcome or my my desired outcome, I try to stay firmly grounded in, okay, what is this here to teach me? I may not like it. I may not agree with it in the moment, but there's always something that I can learn from it if I choose to stay in that positive mindset. For sure. And since you're talking about this, I'd love to ask, can you tell us about a mistake you made along the way and how did you learn from it? How did you recover from it? Mistakes are a good thing because they do provide those learning labs for us to really take a closer look and say, what is it I want to do different? What didn't work well? How can I refine? One mistake I made very early on in my career was working too hard for the wrong reasons. I was really focused on the destination. I had one thing in mind and it was making it to a certain level as fast as I could possibly get there. And by focusing on the destination and not really on the journey and maybe not on the importance of building up my network and building my experiences, my depth and breadth of experiences early, early on, I burnt out and I had to take a a leave of absence because I ran too hot and too hard for too long. And it really, again, as I sat back and learned from that experience, it wasn't in alignment with my own values. So when I say working too hard for the wrong reasons, I work very hard. And now I work very hard for the right reasons because I'm doing what I'm doing to remain in alignment with those things that I value most and where I think I have more clarity on where my gifts and my talents and my abilities really to step in and add value uh, are also aligned. So investing in the places with the highest ROI. Personally and professionally. And is that also what turns you into a wellness warrior? (laughs) Yes. I do think those early experiences definitely played into that. So well-being, gosh, we talk about that so much today, just given what we've all lived through with the pandemic and the racial inequality and and all of these other things that are happening around us all the time, homeschooling or whatever it is. And when I first took on the well-being leader responsibilities, it was just a different conversation a few years ago. One thing that's unique about PwC and the organization that I'm with right now is we really look at well-being as a leadership skill. And when we look at it that way, it's something that we can teach people for themselves and also how to be great leaders, sponsors, and advocates for others as well when it comes to well-being. So I think our own well-being, whether it's our physical, emotional, mental, social, financial, it all underpins who we are as people, of course the types of relationships that we're able to be in, whether that's at work or in our personal lives, and the type of professional that we are and how we show up for our organizations and live into the purpose and the responsibilities for the organizations that we are in and that we serve. So yes, wellness warrior, well-being warrior, 
I think it's really important. It's a big culture builder. It's something, again, we talk about (laughs) every day, hourly sometimes, and we really look for ways to support that well-being and protect it and foster it so that we're, we're helping our people be their best. I love this concept of well-being as a leadership trait. I'm going to latch on to that. In your LinkedIn profile, you also lead with being a wife and mother. Can you tell us a little bit about your family and how do you try to manage work-life balance uh, with your responsibility to them? I always smile at this question because my family, that is my number one value. Family is my number one value. Uh, My wife, Jody, and I, we have two small kids, small-ish, they're getting bigger all the time, but we have two small kids, a third grader and a fourth grader, soon to be fourth grader and fifth grader. And so this year has tested us on a number of different levels, especially with homeschool and full distance learning for a full year. Because you're in California, yeah. Yes. And as a same-sex couple, science was always our friend when it came to starting a family. And so it was something, it wasn't an easy journey for sure. We were able to conceive my son through IVF and my daughter is adopted. And so starting a family and the concept of a family was something we worked really, really hard to build in a meaningful way. We knew the types of moms that we wanted to be when we were going into that. So that took a lot of intentionality. It took a lot of choice and change. My wife changed her job and career to be able to, again, be in service to our family in a little bit of a different way. I've made choices with my family as my North Star along the way as well. And one thing that I do want to mention, and I've I've had some different pieces come out on this, as has PwC recently, being able to be on that journey over several years with the support of my organization and the benefits the fertility benefits, the adoption benefits, the flexibility benefits, the protected time benefits. I know how lucky we were and how lucky we are to have been with an organization that really supported us on that journey because our journey was very different than what some look like. So that's also going back to the well-being warrior and the leadership development roles and responsibilities, why I do try to be such a strong advocate for organizations understanding what their people want and need so that these benefits can be compelling and supportive and make a difference on a human level as well as that professional or organization level because they matter. Yeah, it can make all the difference. So you mentioned you were a diversity inclusion leader and you've been very active with your women's resource groups. Can you talk about what it's been like to be a woman in your field in audit and consulting and now in in management? Mm, Yes. I think while we are making great progress towards having more women in leadership roles and really advocating for more diversity in a very intentional way, not just talking about it, but matching the actions with the intention. I'm seeing that in a big, big way. It's been a, a very powerful journey that we've been on for a while. For me specifically, as I think back and reflect on my own career, some of my greatest role models and mentors have been women from very early on in my professional career. So I have to be honest, at first when I came into the the professional services realm, I didn't actively look around and say, wow, there are so many more men than women here or 
gosh, I wonder why I'm not at that table when all the men are. I just didn't have that awareness until I got more engaged in understanding other women's stories and what it took for them to get where they were so that now they could be sponsoring me and mentoring me. And so it was just through that awareness building and appreciating people's stories and their willingness to openly share that I think my perspective shifted and my own accountability to others shifted as well. So I have been very fortunate in my career. I've paved different paths. I've had great mentors who have encouraged me to do that. And honestly, as I think about some of those biggest transition points, it's really been those strong female voices who have not only advocated, but helped me by tapping their networks to make sure that I could do what I was going to do next and open up space for others to step in and do more of of what they were interested in doing. So I think I've combined a couple of things around mentorship and sponsorship and, you know, what it's been like for me. I now notice, I notice if I'm the only woman in the room and I commit to bringing others with me. So I don't want to go to meetings by myself. I always want to bring a mentee or someone that I am actively sponsoring with me. So I I very intentionally look for those high visible opportunities for someone other than me to engage and have the opportunity because so much of that was done for me throughout my career. I love that you said that. And it's actually something I raise a lot that I think a game changer in my career coming up was the people who were willing to bring me into meetings that I wouldn't have otherwise been invited to. So I I can see that that would make a huge difference and have impact. I had one mentor, I have to share one quick story. Absolutely. We walked into a room and there was a big oval table with all the chairs around it. And there were also chairs around the perimeter of the room. It was a very large room. There's going to be a lot of people there. And I just grabbed a chair against the wall. And she came up to me and said, don't ever sit in the back row again. You take the seat at the table. You always take the seat at the table. And again, it was this unconscious decision that then became a conscious decision that now I pass on to others as well. So don't be afraid to fill the open seat at the table. Don't just default to sitting in the back row. Great advice. I love it. And I look forward for us to all get back into offices and go to meetings again. (laughs) Right now it's the virtual chair at the virtual table, but we'll get there. All right, Deanne, I'm going to move on to our fast five. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Yes. All right. Deanne, tell us what is your favorite karaoke song? Oh, uh, I have to admit I'm not, a, I'm not a huge karaoke person, but I've been known to sing Bon Jovi, Living on a Prayer, when, when those opportunities do arise. <laughs> Since you are a wellness warrior, can you tell us what's your favorite way to practice self-care? You know, to be honest, this year has really tested that. Before, I would have told you I go to hot yoga three or four times a week and, you know, I, I meditate daily and some of those practices have slipped a little bit. So right now what I'm doing to practice self-care is intentionally pausing to find those mindful minutes just to recenter myself, finding quiet time, gratitude journaling is another big one for me. 
that I've really put some time and intention into. I love it. And I think so many of us say, oh, I don't have time for self-care. I don't have time. And those are things that take very little time. That's right. Who is a celebrity you'd like to have dinner with? Right now, I would say Meghan Markle. And if Prince Harry wanted to come along, that would be okay. I would want to sit right beside Meghan, however. Yeah, that's great. Do you have a book you would want to recommend to our audience? Yes. Right now, well, I'm rereading Brene Brown, Dare to Lead. I'm just a big fan of hers. And I'm also reading On Fire, Seven Ways to Live a Radically Inspired Life. Again, it's a great story about a gentleman who experienced some extreme adversity. And despite what he went through and encountered, the positive reframe and making the most of a terrible situation, how he tells that story, it's actually one that I'm reading to our two young kids. So very inspiring. And I would highly recommend that one. That sounds great. We'll have to check it out. So one of the things that we believe at Fairy God Boss is that a way that we all as women can really advance ourselves, kind of like taking that seat in the middle of the room, is to get better at talking about our achievements, or if I may say so, better at bragging. So I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you, can you brag to us about your achievements and role model for us how we can do this better and more? I sometimes refer to this as just standing firmly in your credibility. We are all masters of our own story and being able to tell that story in a compelling way that again is hopefully inspiring to others is really the intent. So if you think about it that way and not so much as a look at me bragging, I'm doing all these great things. To me, that's just shifted my own confidence and sometimes the confidence of others to be able to tell their story in a different way. If you're not going to tell your story, then Who else can tell your story? For me, I would say I am a lifelong, infinite learner. I'm committed to my own learning, growth, and development. And I'm also very committed to being in the work myself. Because if I'm not, I can't help others do the work that they would like to do. And to enable that, I've I've achieved some really great things. I have a lot of different certifications that I put to good use. I've got several people that, because of our time together, have stated that they've achieved the goals that they set out. So it's really, how can I be in best service to others? And how do I take on the accountability to make sure I'm best prepared and ready to help them with their work? If I look at it through that lens, that helps me then say, yes, of course, I'm, I need to be really great at health and well-being coaching. I need to be really an expert on leadership development principles so that we can create these experiences that are going to help others be who they need to be. That's kind of my reframe on bragging and standing in your credibility and not being afraid to tell your story because you're in the best seat to tell it. Great advice and a great perspective on how to claim credit for our achievements. I'm excited to ask you if there's one piece of advice you'd give to our audience Uh, So a lot of women who may not be as senior as you, women who are still kind of in the earlier stages of their careers or trying to achieve, what advice would you give? The first thing that I would say is there will always be change and uncertainty and things that are out of our control. You will always experience that in life, in work, personal relationships, professional relationships. That is always 
going to be there. We may not be able to control that. Some of those things are out of our control, but we can always control how we choose to show up, react, and respond. That's always within our control. And it's hard sometimes to pause long enough to know when we're in a moment or when we're triggered by something. So that's where also having some of the the mindfulness or awareness practices to say, okay, hold on, I'm triggered, something's happening. Let me just take a couple deep breaths before I react and respond in a way that I may not be bringing my best self to do that. So owning our reactions, owning our responses, to me that helps shift some of that victim mentality to more of the victor mentality. And again, I think we can all only do the best we can with what we have where we're at. We're all right here right now. And that's what we have. And we can choose how we show up and what we bring into a situation, even if it's a situation that is so out of our control or so undesirable, having that, keeping that power for ourselves, I would say, be intentional, be mindful about that. I love it. That it's about claiming power, even when you feel like you don't have it based on how we choose to react. And it's a very positive reframe positive psychology and optimism and gratitude, we can find that even when it's hard. (laughs) And it's been hard over this past year in many different situations. So it's like anything else. It's a practice. You have to build the muscle memory around that. And so I always just say, find these small ways that you can start to practice and really build that as a ritual, a habit, a way of being, and then you'll see how that grows and manifests and starts to positively impact yourself and others. I'm going to take that with me to spend some time thinking about today. So appreciate you sharing it. And I'm so grateful to you to spend time with us today, talk about all of your experiences. And I really love this idea of, say it again, we're claiming our credibility. Yes, we're going to claim that credibility. We're going to stand firmly in that credibility and not be afraid to tell our story. Love it. Deanne, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy Godboss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time.